Good morning. My name is Thad Lanthrop, and I'm the executive pastor here at Church in the Valley. And this summer, we are looking at, um, we are looking behind enemy lies. Um, these are lies that the enemy tries to tell us to bring real damage to the life that God wants to help us to build. And so far, we've looked at the lie, it's too hard and I'm too tired. The emphasis there is on the two. Um, it's too hard, I'm too tired. We, we're all, we all get tired. Uh, things are difficult in life. But when we believe that it's too, I'm too tired to handle my responsibilities or commitment, or I'm, it's too difficult for me to do, then that's when the damage in our life starts to come. This morning, we're going to look at the lie, it's not what I want. Nobody here struggles with that, right? It's not what I want. We all struggle with it. We have to wake up early. It's not what I want. We have to clean up a mess we didn't create. Not what I want. Plans change. Accidents happen. Sickness comes. And we don't want any of it. The real challenge with this thought is that we don't like it when we have to deal with something that we don't want. Because we convince ourselves that we deserve whatever we want. We want what we want, and we think it's best. That's the best thing for us. The Bible says that we're born with a I want it my way mentality. If, if you don't believe that, come to my house for just a couple minutes. We have a, a son. He's almost two this week. Really proud of him. He said his first sentence. His sister had something that he wanted, and he said, I want that. So, hey, whatever gets him to talk. <laughs> but Proverbs 22:15 says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. We're all born with this folly, this I want it mentality. And it shows up early in life. It's called the terrible twos for a reason. You know, the kids are convinced that donuts and candy are good for every meal, but that would shorten their life. Or they want to touch the hot stove because it's shiny or run with scissors or play tag with a sucker in their mouth. Not that I have any experience with any of this stuff. Um, my Another one of my sons, we had a loft in our house and it looked over the first story and my son, my wife caught my son climbing up the railing of the loft one day and, and explained to him, buddy, you, you can't do that. If you fall down, you, you, you might die. It's a long fall. And he said, it's okay. I not die, mommy. That's our mentality. And, you know, summed up in the adult world, it's okay. I can do that. I'm not going to get in too much trouble. Too, not too much damage is going to come from that. And if this folly isn't challenged early on in our lives, it plagues us as adults. It will create problems for us at work, at school, in relationships, as opportunities come up, and the list goes on and on and on. Now, when I think about it's not what I want, I usually think in terms of big things, but it really doesn't take a major problem to bring frustration. My kids are at the point where they, they usually sleep through the night, but man, when they don't and they come get me, it's not what I want. I, I, I just can't stand that feeling of having to get up and deal with it. Maybe you have an ongoing battle with ants. 
<clears throat> we do right now at my house. Um, they seem to always show up at the most inconvenient time. Not that there's a convenient time for them to show up. Um, but other things we face, they just bring this sense of this is not what I want right now. Just stop it. I'm sure everyone in this room's currently got something going on right now that's unwanted. And we say it in a lot of different ways. Maybe you've stepped into a new role at work. Your responsibilities are being shifted around in your company, and you've, you've inherited somebody else's mess. It could be a project that your boss has just thrown at you, and now they expect you to move it forward, and you're thinking, I, I don't want this. I didn't ask for this. Or maybe the company's downsizing, and now you're required to pick up duties from some people who lost their jobs, and your plate is overflowing, and you're still expected to produce, but it's not what you want. Or just when you start to figure out your current stage of parenting, things start to shift. You get life just mapped out, things are humming, you're doing good, and your child starts changing. Now it's difficult to track the new changes. And it's easy to think, I don't want this stage. I want to go back to the other one where we were doing well. It's not what I want. Or maybe there's some health issues, someone close to you in the illness that's, that's going on, that's creating problems in your everyday life, or it's not what you want. Or in ministry, just when you get a day off, an opportunity comes up to serve somebody. You're thinking, I don't want to do that right now. The fact of the matter is, we want what we want, and we think it's best. The lie behind this thought is, what I want is best. The Bible is very clear that God promises to use all circumstances for his purpose and for our good. And he has the power to do that. But we think that we know what's best for our life. And if we don't reject that thought, the damage that it causes has this this ripple effect in our life. Now, throughout this series, we've been taking a look at Um, stories and events from the history of Israel in the Old Testament. And um, these events took place thousands of years ago. But there's principles and lessons in them that never get outdated or old. And so today we are going to take a look at a lesson from the history of Israel. It's, It's the event of Deborah, the judge, and Barak. Now, before we get into Judges uh, chapter 4 and 5 that we're going to look at this, this morning, I'm going to give you a little bit of, of background to this story. So the Israelites in this story, they're in rebellion. So they've rebelled against God. They're doing life their own way. Um, and because of this, they are oppressed by a king, Jabin of Canaan. The Canaanites are consistently feuding with the Israelites, and Jabin is just a, a tyrant. And he is brutally oppressing Israel for 20 years. In the midst of their rebellion, they turn to God. They finally decide to turn back to him, and we'll do life your, your way, God, and they ask for help. And God, in his grace, sends a courageous woman, Deborah, to lead the Israelites back into obedience And back to following God. Now, Deborah, she is a Jewish judge and a prophetess. God gives a plan to Deborah 
that will deliver the Israelites out of the, the clutches of Jabin and his evil military leader, Sisera. It's a lot, but we'll get to the point here in a little bit. Deborah turns to Barak. So here's where Barak comes into the story. He's a Jewish general, and she gives him the plan for how to fight Sisera, the Canaanite general, and defeat his army. So let's pick it up at Judges 4-6 and see what she says to him. She sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kadesh Naphtali, and said to him, He has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, Go gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun. And I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hand. So here Deborah lays out the plan. So Barak, go gather an army, 10,000, to go fight these people. Go, go get them. It seems pretty simple when you think about it, but the, the odds are really against Barak in this situation. He has 10,000 men, but Sisera has 900 chariots and troops to go with it. And the chariots, you can think of it like uh, uh, tanks, modern-day tanks. The chariots gave them a huge advantage in this, in this battle. And military leaders, they want a lopsided, lopsided situation. They want to be able to, to win and to win without losing many of their men. And so Barak is faced with a decision here. God promised victory if he does this, but he's looking at the situation. He doesn't think he can, he can pull it off. So let's look at how he responds to something that he doesn't want. Barak said to her, if you, go, if you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I surely will go I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. And Barak called out Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh. And 10,000 men went up at his heels. And Deborah went up with him. Barak's name in Hebrew, which is the portion of this Bible, the, uh, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and his name in Hebrew means lightning. So you get the sense that he was a stud. He was the man. He was a general in the Jewish army. But here you find him afraid. He did not want to fail. He did not want to face the odds, and he shrunk back against that. Barak was reluctant, and he wanted Deborah to be there with him. Maybe for reassurance, maybe to give more direction. We don't know why he wanted her to go with him, but we get the idea that lightning was not going to strike unless Deborah was with him. So in the middle of a circumstance that Barak did not want, he drew a line. He said, I'm not going to move forward unless you come with me. It's not what I want, so I'm not going to do what I know I should do, is what he's saying in this situation. And look at Deborah's response to him. Judges 4.9. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. 
So in this situation, we learn some things. We learn some things that shrinking back in fear, first of all, it causes a loss of honor. It's important for all of us. We, we want to have honor, especially men. We want to receive honor. Yet, honor here is pictured as rising to the present challenge of what you're facing and playing your unique role and not depending on another to do what you know you should do. That's what we see here. Basically, the path of fear, it's going this easy way, and it does not lead to a life of honor and respect. So that's the first thing we can learn here. Second thing is that shrinking back in fear, it causes a loss of self-respect. Barak did not willingly rise to the challenge that, that was set before him. He was the general, but he asked a woman to go in his place. The way we are, if we do the good we know to do, then we grow in our self-respect. If we don't, we lose our self-respect. Barak had trained for moments like this, but in this moment, his strength and his training failed. I wonder how many times he looked back in his life and just cringed at the decision he made. I know there's moments in my life where I was faced with a faith choice or, or not, and, and the times I don't step up and, and move forward in faith, I regret those things. And then finally, we learn that shrinking back means we're putting others at risk. Barak not only put Deborah into the heart of the battle, but he put all of the weight of the decision on her as well. If she did not go, Brock was not going to go. He really didn't leave her with a choice. So Barack's opportunity turned into Deborah's burden to bear. Many times when we dig our heels in and we don't do what we know we, we should do, and it's not what we want, we don't do it, it becomes the burden of those around us, family, the team at work or the crew we serve with at church life. This multiplies our trouble and those we're responsible to and for. Now, in spite of Barak's response, all was not lost. So let's wrap up this story and take a look at it. What happens is God works behind the scenes of the battle and provides just a terrible rainstorm. And what happens when a rainstorm comes is the chariots can't, they can't move. Their wheels get stuck in the mud. And so the huge fear that Barak had, God was working behind the scenes to neutralize that, to give them the upper hand in the battle. The Israelites just needed to do their part. They needed to obey and fight. And God did his part. In this case, it was bringing the rainstorm. That's a lesson we can learn. We just need to do our job. Obey. Do the next thing God has shown us to do. And in this case, God grants victory to Deborah and Barak and the entire Israel army. And a lot of times in the Old Testament, after a battle or a, an event happens, there would be poetry or songs written about it. And that's the case with this, with this battle. So we finish chapter 4. It's the, the story of, of the battle and how it happened. And then in Judges 5, there's a victory song that comes. And take a look what is said in Judges 5-2 that the leaders took the lead in Israel. 
that the people offered themselves willingly. Bless the Lord. If you pay attention to what people celebrate, you discover what's most important to them. And here we see the people celebrating those who willingly risked their lives and sacrificed. Um, Those are the people that are praised with the song. I can definitely relate to Barack here. Maybe you can too. Trouble erupts and it's something that he just doesn't want to deal with. And so uh, stuff like that happens all the time. And so you shrink back and you, you resent having to deal with it. So you just don't deal with it. Or you try to get other people to deal with it for you. So what happens when we get this feeling, it's not what I want, this, this thought, this lie comes in my mind. What, what should we do? How can we fight against it? Well, when facing something I don't uh, want to deal with, I should first of all follow the leader. If you follow Christ, you follow a leader who has shown us how to respond in moments and in circumstances where it's not what we want. In Luke 22, we're going to look at a verse in a moment here, you, you, we find Jesus just in agony because he knows that the cross is close. It was his assignment to die on the cross for the sins of the world after he lived a perfect life and to bring eternal life to all who would believe and obey him. It's just a terrible duty to have. This event in his life is just days away, and he can almost feel the pain. Maybe you're facing something not as heavy as, as the cross, but something like that. You can feel the pain. It's not what you want. The kids aren't responding, and they're not respecting you like you want them to. Parenting gets unfun really fast, and you don't want to just go through it. Maybe you're in a serious financial pinch, and you know what it's going to take to deal with it, and I just, I just don't want to have to go through that to deal with it. Or a call to help someone comes as a surprise, and you know you should help, but uh, don't really want to. Or a coworker drops the ball, and now you have to pick up the pieces of the project and make it happen. If you're going through something like that right now, I'm going to encourage you. Follow Christ's example. Look at what he says here when he is responding to the ultimate unwanted circumstance that was his role in our salvation. Luke twenty-two forty-two says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. To please God, we have to set aside and determine to do God's will. And what that means for us is that we have to use the shield of faith. When we surrender to the will of God, we're exposed. We're giving up control. And we're wondering, is this the strategy really going to work out? Is this going to be best? The armor for battle that God gives us in our lives is is listed in Ephesians 6. 6. It's the kind of armor that you use in hand-to-hand combat. So we've talked a lot in this series about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and how to use Bible verses to fight against the lies. But here we're going to look at the shield of faith, how to pick up the shield of faith and use that. Ephesians 6, 16 says, 
in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. This shield of faith, what this says is, God is in control and he will not rip me off. That's what we're saying. When we pick up the shield of faith, we're saying God is in control and he will not rip me off in this situation. My wife Gina was in the hospital this past Mother's Day. Uh, There's a picture of us celebrating in the hospital. Uh, Obviously, not what we wanted, not how we drew it up uh, when we were making plans for Mother's Day. But God used this situation for good in our family. And I was, on, by the time we got to Mother's Day night, I was struggling. I was struggling to, to hold up my shield of faith. It felt like I was getting hit with, it's too hard. I, how am I going to keep going? How am I keep doing this? I'm too tired. I don't want, I just don't want it. I don't want to do this. And as I was putting the kids down uh, for bed that night, my two older boys, my son Blake, he, he said, Dad, I, we're doing an open house in our kids' zone next week, and I'm going to share something. I thought I could make it through this, but maybe not. And so I said, oh, that's great. And so I'm going to share a video with you of what he said at open house. This is what he said that night, and it strengthened me. It encouraged me. So take a look at this video. It's my son Jeremy is saying a verse, and then my son Blake is sharing how he's going to trust in God. This is my command. Do be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Joshua 1.9. was really sick that she had to go to the hospital, so we had to send her head on her river house, so we really had to trust that God would work the good. When he said that, we had to trust that God's going to work this for good, it strengthened me, it encouraged me, it helped me to pick up my shield of faith. God used that situation in our whole family's life to help us to learn to trust and have faith in him in a way that we hadn't had to trust him before. Still wish that Gina didn't have to go through it. I I wouldn't pick it for her to have to go through that, for the faith to come. But God used it for good. And when we trust in him, we pick up the field of faith and we say, God will not rip us off in this situation He's going to come through for us. Putting on the shield of faith, it it needs to be done in big ways. It needs to be done in small ways. And maybe you're in a conflict right now with somebody, and you didn't start the conflict, but maybe, you know, you kept it going. You just kept adding some fuel to the conflict and and kept it going. You realize, you know, I need to go and make that right. I got to humble myself and go talk to this person. And when we approach somebody in humility, we're exposed. Who's going to watch out for me? But we've got to put up the shield of faith. God is in control. He will not rip me off as I do what I know I need to do is right. Or maybe God just moved me to meet a need by stretching financially, to give to something that came up. 
got to put on the shield of faith. God is in control. He will not rip me off if he's, if he's wanting me to do this thing. This thought also attacks serving people or serving on a team at church. I, I don't want to do that right now. God is in control. He will not rip me off. We face all kinds of circumstances like this all the time. We have to lay down our old strategies of dealing with things. And we have to follow the leader in what Christ did when he died on the cross for our sins. And we, when we do that, God comes through every time. Maybe we'll get some ice cream after church today. <laughs> and then finally, to overcome this lie, we need to take wise, decisive action. The lie defeats us at the point where we refuse to do what we know is right to do in this situation. That's when we lose against this lie. There's situations where maybe you don't know what's right to do. And if that's the case, don't let that stop you. Talk to somebody who's more wise who can help you to know what you need to do in the situation that you're going with. But if we consistently do what's right in the face of unwanted circumstances and trouble, you're going to gain honor. Proverbs 21.21 says, Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness and honor. Those who willingly offer themselves to do right before God gain honor. If you pursue righteousness in spite of unwanted circumstances, you know, your kids, they might not sing songs about you like we looked at, looked at, but they will grow to respect you, to honor you, and they will be strengthened in their relationship with God. Your friends will gain a deeper admiration for you, at least the good ones will. Your boss, your coworkers, they're going to appreciate that you're trustworthy and respect for you will grow over time. And you're going to be able to make a real difference in the world. As the band starts to come up, and um, I'd like to ask you to uh, pull out, I lost the word for it, the connection card. Pull out that connection card um, again and finish filling out any information on the card that um, you would like to to share with us. There might be a a prayer request that you have. Maybe that's how you want to respond to the message today is writing in an unwanted circumstance that's going on. And we can pray for you um, here at Church in the Valley. But there's a couple next steps that I'd like to point out to you that you can take in response to the message this morning. The first next step is to put on the shield of faith by fill in the blank. Is there something that God pointed out to you this morning that you need to, to pick up the shield of faith and extinguish those arrows that are coming against you? Maybe you're shrinking back in an area where God uh, wants you to choose faith in him. Or you could memorize Luke 22:42. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Memorizing that verse can be a big help to help you remember to follow the leader when unwanted circumstances come up. God is in control. He will not rip me off. Then the last next step is left for you just to fill out, to fill in the blank. Is there something specific that God showed you that 
you need to take decisive, wise action in this week. Or maybe you're not 100% what to do in a situation and you need to talk to somebody who's wiser, who can help you out in the situation. You can write that in there to remember to do it this week. God is in control. He's not going to rip us off. And there's honor for those who trust in him to handle their responsibilities in the middle of things that they just don't want to happen. Let's pray. God, we ask for your help. We ask that you would help us to be able to trust in you with unwanted circumstances. That you would give us the power to put, on, put up the shield of faith. And that as we do that, we can make real progress in life and be people who are trustworthy at, at home or in our jobs or at church or wherever we are, Lord. We know that you give us instruction to do this, and we ask that you would help us to put that into practice this week. Just give us the ability to be able to push against the lie, it's not what I want, and to put into practice what your word tells us to do. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.